Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Thanksgiving. Joining me today, when he comes around, there will be no leftovers. It's Adam Lichtenstein, our Scream movie correspondent. Adam, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good uh, with the Scream franchise currently in uh, tatters. Oh God, I didn't even think about uh, that. I was just like, I mean, this movie shares a lot of DNA with Scream. I did what I, when I open when I gave you that title again just now. I I forgot about geez how much it's been in yeah. the news. Yeah, uh, well, with that franchise crashing and burning, um, <laughs> maybe I'm maybe they, about a different slasher. Yeah, maybe they'll just like turn this Eli Roth will just be like, I'm going to just make slashers about different holidays. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's uh, so I listened to Eli Roth on the Big Picture podcast and when he was being interviewed and like somehow he was like, yeah, I don't really care about any Christmas movie because I'm a Jewish guy. And then uh, Sean Fennessy was like, oh, maybe you have a Hanukkah slasher movie in you. And I'm like, oh, my oh, God, I, I was, Adam would lose his shit. You know, oh, my God, I would be all over that. <laughs> well, uh, right now we're well, Thanksgiving will have to do. It was um, kind of Thanksgiving is the newest movie from uh, Eli Roth, who is, you know, a, an acclaimed horror director, though. I guess it was kind of like a, a bit of a return to form for him. It had been a while since he'd done more of a straight horror film, like uh, almost 10 years, right? It, it, it kind of tells the story of um, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, it starts in 2022 when a lot of people are kind of leaving their Thanksgiving dinners to go to a Black Friday sale at the local store called the Re- the Right Mart. Uh, among the people that are kind of there, as, a, as in addition to the town just t- totally crowding the uh, entrance and getting whipped up in a frenzy. Uh, Jessica Wright, whose father Thomas owns the store, kind of like is like going to the movies with her friends. It's like, oh, let's stop off to the store beforehand. And she lets them all in the store and then all the other townspeople see that. They get really mad. They storm the store. There are uh, literal deaths as a result of this in a really, uh, really intense scene basically where you just see the everything, everyone in the store going crazy. Uh, fast forward a year later, we pick up back in the town and uh, to see how, you know, certain people are kind of uh, coping in the aftermath of that. But then all of a sudden, uh, someone wearing a John Carver mask, John Carver actually being, uh, you know, like one of the first pilgrims, right, Adam? I think so. Uh, on the Mayflower. Great. Yeah, he's on the Mayflower and stuff. And uh, if you like just Google John Carter, or put him in Wikipedia, you'll kind of see how his face inspired the mask in this movie. But uh, someone in a mask like that, all of a sudden is haunting the town and they seem to be picking off people who were at the right mark that night. So, you know, uh, an investigation ensues and Jessica and her friends are, you know, uh, obviously targets among this since it was uh, no secret that they were there. A lot of the young people were live streaming the whole thing as it went. Adam, I, I actually went into this literally not knowing anything. I knew it was a horror movie. I've only Eli Lothar movie I've ever seen actually is Cabin Fever. Been a long time since I saw it too. Uh, so, and so I, when it's, I've, I've, I mean, I know hostel is a big deal, just like, that that was a big thing before I became someone that was like more into seeing horror movies, and I just never like kind of worked my way back to it. So I, I knew nothing going. I I didn't know that I didn't know the plot. I didn't know what it meant really to go to an Eli Roth movie, and I so I was like really caught off guard when and, and Daniel had been asking to do the podcast for a while, but I I still didn't like really look up look it up at that point. And then I I saw this movie and I was like, oh wow, this shares a ton of DNA with Scream. Adam should be on this podcast. And uh, unfortunately for you know some health and technology related reasons, Daniel is not here. But, you know, I thought it was, you know, just as good to have Adam here because, you know, I I, knew, I kind of had a feeling this might be up his alley. But at the same time, Adam, like, I think you can say you can say like Eli Roth has, does his own thing. And he, he's not like someone that anyone would just criticize for, you know, just being derivative of other things. But that being said, like this does share a lot of DNA with Scream. There's a there's a mass killer who haunts a small town. Uh, and I'd say not totally dissimilar tonally either. 
But I mean, I, I don't know if you really kind of expected that going in, but I'm wondering, like, when you see something like this, I mean, what what what, what did it? What is the what is the biggest thing? I know you enjoyed Thanksgiving. What is the biggest thing it kind of did for you that made it feel like, oh, this is kind of cool and unique? And yeah, I like Scream, and I like things. I'm gonna I'm gonna like things that are like it. But what was the biggest reason this kind of stood on its own for you, as opposed to just like feeling like a Scream ripoff? Um, well, a couple of things. I mean, a couple of reasons why I liked it are because it's similar to Scream. It does a lot of the things that I like about Scream. Um, you know, it's a whodunit. Uh, horror movie where you're trying to figure out who the killer is the whole time um it's it's got humor in it it's not doesn't take itself too seriously um the the kill scenes are you know i got a couple good jump scares out of me like a couple of invented and a couple of inventive uh kills that i had never seen before uh that got that you know really caught my attention but like i wouldn't say it's a scream ripoff but it definitely like you said shares a lot of dna with scream and a lot of the same things that I like about Scream, I liked about this. Yeah, I mean, it hits. It, I mean, it hits a lot of the beats, but like you know, it's, I mean, horror movies are really, really successful still for a reason in a time when a lot of movies don't make a ton of money at the box office. Like the formula works, and the formula is very satisfying if it manages to hit those notes. And like you know, it can be like Scream, but still have its own unique kill scenes if they you know if they get creative enough, and I think they do. And if they you know uh, give give you a I don't want to say they like really develop any of these characters all that much such that you're going to really care about them, but I feel like you get a pretty good sense of the town and and because it's it's distinct in that way. Like, you know, I'd say like being like about a Massachusetts town with like a heavy mass hole influence is very distinct from like, you know, Woodsboro. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's, it feels unique in that way too. And I'm wondering if you kind of enjoy getting to explore like this particular version of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Yeah, that that was fun. And you mentioned the characters not being very well developed. I was going to say, like, they're not. Um, I had to look up all the characters' names because I basically forgot all of them. Yeah. The characters are not well developed. and They're not really particularly likable. Um, like, there's no one in the movie who I'm like, yeah, I got to root for for him or her. Like, it's, you know, Sidney Prescott or, or Randy from Scream or anything. I'm just like... They present two yeah. love interests for the main character, and none of them, neither of them are likable. No, no, really, no, no one, not even the main character, like Final Girl, is like particularly likable. Like she's fine, but like, not. No one in the movie is like, oh, I love this character. I really want to. I hope they live. I hope they're not the killer or whatever. Like, as opposed to basically every screen movie where I feel that way about at least some of the characters. Um, you know, it just the characters didn't do it for me. It was the you know, it was the whodunit aspect that I liked, and it was the the kills that I liked, like it really wasn't like, it wasn't the characters. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and I, and I wasn't sitting there going through the movie being like, I mean, so the the character that plays Jessica, who's the main character, she's an actress named, uh, I guess it's Nell Verlock or Verlake. I'm, I apologize to her, but she doesn't even have her own Wikipedia page. She's a newcomer. And I, and I don't even say that as like a, a, as a, um, as a criticism, uh, it's not like, Oh, that means she's a bad actress or anything. Like, I just don't think she'd done a ton before this. And, uh, but like that, again, that doesn't speak to like her performance. It's just, they don't necessarily take the time. And I mean, it's hard to say, cause like, you know, scream so well at this point, like you've seen all those movies multiple times and they've been a part of your life for a long time. Like, I don't know if people, I'm not sure if people would have said like right after the first scream, like, Oh, I feel like I really know these people, but I do think like, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw scream. And I feel like a lot of those people just would have stuck with me in a different way. And it's not like yeah. that movie was longer or anything. I just think it, I mean, it did a pretty good job making those people feel distinct and, you know, throughout this movie. And I, I mean, I think 
Jessica like looked like another one of the girls in the group, kind of depending like for a lot of it. Like for a lot of the movie, I was confused as to like which 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 one of these girls was which, and who, whenever any one of them said anything, and so that's not great. Uh, the it, it, it kind of reminded me of so I, I hadn't I've watched Eli Roth's earlier horror movies like I've seen Cabin Fever, uh, and I watched Hostel and Hostel Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've sat down and actually watched them in full, like while paying close attention. But right. it did kind of remind me because like. I did catch a little bit of cabin fever on TV, like maybe around Halloween mm-hmm. and it, Thanksgiving kind of reminded me of that because in cabin fever, which is, I think Eli Roth's, I'm pretty sure it's his debut. It's definitely, I think his first horror movie. Uh, all the characters kind of suck. They're all just kind of <laughs> shit. They're all shitheads, like just not good people. They're all like, you know, college kids, I think who just don't give a shit about anything but themselves really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of reminds me of this movie, like the, the characters in this movie, kind of suck like everyone's flawed and that's because i mean a bunch of them are high schoolers and like no high schooler is perfect unless you're sydney prescott um but yeah it's kind of like reminding me of cabin fever because they're all kind of shitheads in their own way i would argue sydney prescott is also not perfect she has terrible taste in men fair Uh, (laughs) Uh, scream two scream two scream two and and patrick dempsey in scream three yeah, we got to talk about that. That's a, that's a that's that and I that's a, that's some of the more important DNA uh, that it shares. But I so yeah, I mean, look, I, I said all that to say like it wasn't like any of these. I I don't say that they really shit on any of these actors. It just didn't seem like it had that much of an interest in really differentiating any differentiating any of them other than like her boyfriend at the beginning who uh, they expect me to believe can like throw hundred miles an hour. Which sorry, I just didn't. I just didn't. Not that we saw him throw anything, but I just wasn't buying it. Uh, and uh, but like, you know, he's, he's obviously a big part hang is, is like shadow hangs over the movie whenever he's not in there. Cause he's like set up as one of the guys that really lost something that, uh, you know, would have an ax to grind in the wake of the store. Cause he yeah. really, he really messes up his arm in the black Friday stampede. You're, you're telling me this guy who was like maybe five, nine, five, eight. And I say this as someone who's like five, nine, five, 10, this guy who's like five, eight can throw the ball a hundred miles an hour and be a Friday night starter as a freshman at some kind of big college. I'm, I'm not really buying it. But sure, I, that's my baseball criticism. I, yeah, it's just like I mean, and I, that that was one where maybe the actor wasn't as great. So like it was, I was hard to, to even buy the confidence he was talking with. But you know, uh, it's a, it's a small crit- critique in the grand scheme of things. So I, I do think one thing though that like again makes this movie feel like a little unique, and because like it's not it's not unusual for horror movies to like start with some kind of like inciting event like that, and then and then jump forward. I feel like that's a thing you maybe see in others, and and I. I guess I haven't seen enough of them to like really be able to pull a bunch off the top of my head, but that feels like a, a device that is used sometimes to set, 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 set up movies and set up yeah. the stakes and set up, set up just, what a town, a town has been through or whatnot. Just like something that happened in the past is going to come back and bite you. Yeah. And I guess Halloween kills did kind of have it in his own way with the little kid dying at the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they jumped forward. So I guess that was one we kind of recently talked about. Oh well, God, the last year went by so freaking fast. Like it's already been a year since that Halloween movie, huh? Um, but uh that, that 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 that's an example of it also happening where it's like uh there's like some kind of really big event and then you kind of fast forward to see what everyone's going through in the fallout and then something else picks up but at the same time i don't i can't think of that many horror movies that like decided to start with like a set piece of this magnitude or something like that and like i and for a second i was like because again i went into the movie not knowing anything about what it was about and like so if you just told me like oh no this movie is just going to be like you know like oh like a, like a, like an hour and a half of people fighting at a Black Friday, I would have been like, cool, I'm here for it, you know. Like that's this the, is that's the sequel. This that's is incredible. The sequel. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, this is incredibly freaking tense and scary, and it's just like 
people going ape shit in a electronic store. And I was like, this is, this is something. And if, if they want to like go out on this, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm feeling this, even if it's making me very, very queasy with some of the um, terrible stuff that happens to people in it. Uh, and I, I just thought I was just very impressed. I think, I think Eli Roth said they, they took like four days to film it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of people and a lot of different action and a lot of different things falling on, falling down. Like it, it technically very impressive and incredibly tense. Uh, did you have any main thoughts as you like kind of watched that opening scene when you like sat down for this movie? And like, I mean, I, I don't know if the more, I don't, I don't know if the marketing actually spoiled what that, that at all. I don't, I, I don't know if I really watched the trailer that much, but I, it was not something I expected to have like, uh, I expect ever to have in a horror movie and definitely, so I definitely didn't really come into this one expecting something like some big kind of set piece like that executed at that high of a level. Like what did you think about the black Friday scene and did anything of that stick with you or uh, what, what, what kind of stuck with you from that now that it's been over a week since you saw the movie? Well, one, just the Massachusetts of it all, just with the mm-hmm. accents are just, they're just out of control, but uh, no, yeah, the, the set piece is really great. Like it's, it's one of the better scenes in the movie and it's not to say anything about the rest of the movie. It's just done very well. Um, yeah, no, like you said, I don't think it was in the trailer. I, or if it was, it wasn't like fully set up. I don't remember exactly. I don't remember it being a focus of the trailer. So kind of just seeing everything go absolutely berserk mm-hmm. in this in this appliance store is just crazy. Like, you know, stuff flying everywhere, people beating the beating them each other with like different appliances, and it was just a wild, wild scene. Like Eli Roth was really in his bag on that one. Yeah. What was the wasn't like one of the main weapons in the scene, like a like a, a waffle maker or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all, they're all rushing to get it. Like a, it's like a free waffle maker or something like that. It's like buy whatever, get a free waffle maker or a free toaster or something like that. Like some stupid black Friday deal. Yeah. So in that scene, um, one, like we said, the baseball player, I think his name is uh, Bobby. Uh, his, yeah. he, he gets his arm stepped on and that's not very fun to look at in its own right. Uh, the manager uh, of the store uh his name is um uh what 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 is it oh the the, the God, I had the manager's name and now I'm loose. oh the store manager's name is Mitch uh so the store manager's name is Mitch and uh the his wife is, is yeah the owner is uh Thomas Thomas yeah yeah but Mitch is there and Mitch is we meet like cuz I had a little trouble maybe following at the beginning I was like wait and I guess we're we're brought in I think to two separate Thanksgiving dinners one is Thomas's and then we see, which is like at a bigger opulent house. And then the other one is at Mitch's house and his wife, Amanda, uh, Mitch and Amanda invite the local sheriff, uh, in his name is, uh, Sheriff Eric Newton. He's played by Patrick Dempsey, which is notable because Patrick Dempsey, uh, also played a cop in scream three. And it looked like for a, or played a detective, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. and it seemed like for a significant part of that, he was maybe actually going to be the killer. It turned out not to be so kind of funny. He gets to be in a movie that shares a lot of DNA with scream. Uh, but then at the store, uh amanda basically gets caught under the stampede and dies very tragic she were introduced to her as a nice lady and all of a sudden we 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 jump forward a year later and all these kids are kind of back at school but then these uh murders start happening and uh with uh i guess the uh john carver guy does he start with the waitress um yeah yeah the first person he kills is the waitress yeah and like we said at the beginning i think you know it's interesting adam i talked to i'm wondering what you thought even if these characters weren't well developed i thought it was really interesting when i listened to that interview with eli roth he said he actually because he's like now in his early 50s he has a lot of friends with kids that are like you know uh teenagers and he said like you know i'm a 50 year old guy like i don't want to come across as like the you know the really out of touch person trying to like make films about young people and he said like i actually i talked to a lot of my uh kids friends my friends kids to like 
about my movie ideas, about how young people would act in certain situations, the kind of slang that they use and whatnot to like, you know, try and, you know, make sure I, my, my films are coming across as authentic if I'm making them about young people. And I'm wondering like, you know, uh, as we are like kind of being dropped into this world, uh, um, what, what, what you kind of thought about, like, uh, even if we didn't really like these kids, did you kind of feel like I, I say, I kind of, I kind of started talking about that because the waitress is captured on film. These kids are like putting it up on, uh, like filming this stuff, putting it up on YouTube. And that's how, that's how a lot of the footage is kind of like even preserved from this incident because, uh, at least for the first year or so after they thought that the, uh, surveillance, uh, or the CCTV for the store was cut off. So they're getting a lot of it from these kids that are like, you know, putting stuff on their phones and like trying to post it to get clout. Um, and I sometimes feel like filmmakers will, um, like there, there are certain filmmakers where I think like they try and make a big deal of the fact that they think this generation of youngsters is always on the phone. And to a certain extent they are, but also that they film each other doing anything. And maybe to a certain extent they are. But a lot of times when I see it in movies and TV, it just feels like they're going overboard to try and make that point about how kids, they're always in their phones, they're always filming every, themselves and everything they do, yada, yada, yada. Um, what did you think about kind of that aspect of this movie? One, like, you know, how how they depicted kids. And I mean, not that we are really of that age anymore, but, you know, up to recently, you were covering kids that age, uh, you know, for your job. And like, I think we're, we're around them a decent amount. What, how did you think he kind of like set up this like, this this universe of young people he kind of you know made made the movie with and um you know before i even start talking about the films what did you think kind of think about once we like kind of settled into like this school that was going to kind of be like the the setting for a lot of what was going to come the rest of the movie i don't know all these damn kids and their tiktoks and their their dances and whatever no i mean i thought it kind of straddled the line between like Mm -hmm. the get off my lawn is kind of thing where it's like oh these kids are going to film you know something horrible happening and posted online, like you said, for clout, you know, with captions and, you know, like and subscribe this video of this horrible event that happened and whatever. I don't know. It kind of maybe straddled the line between a little bit boomery and, you know, while also, like you said, Eli Roth talking to his <laughs> friends, kids and stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's like, I, I, it's hard for me to say it's a 31 year old. Like, yeah, that's how 17 year olds would react to seeing something terrible happening around them. Like, I think it's just it's the same as teenagers always are. Some would be shitty and some would be, you know, heroic or do good things. And some would do bad things because, you know, teenagers are people usually and uh, they're good or bad, you know, depending on or, you know, they, they do different things, in different situations. Not everyone's always. uh yeah. Great. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I agree. I, did, I just wanted to kind of shout that out because I thought it was interesting hearing him talk about that. And there there weren't a ton of moments where I was like, oh, this sounds like a 50 year old writing 17 year olds. Yeah. I, so I, I, I always give him a little bit of credit for that. And also, like, I, I thought they did a better, more subtle job of depicting how kids use their phones and use technology than maybe other others do. And that's again, that is how they found out. That is how the John Carver, the killer, found out that this waitress was there because she's like one of the most like loud people at the Black Friday stampede. And I guess that's why in easily and she's easily caught on that footage that is taken by uh I guess I by I guess it was both Bob Evan Evan, Evan was taking it and yeah. uh so he popped up on there and that's how he first goes to get her. Um did 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 you have any feelings particularly about that about that about that diner scene? I think it was interesting how they uh you it, you know again when you've watched as much horror as you have and even as I have in recent years like you know you, you, you kind of really respect when someone finds a unique way to kill someone. I mean, you know, there's only so many ways to do it in theory, but you know, if you have a twisted enough mind, I'm sure you can find a new twist on things. And I, I did appreciate how they were like, you know, 
they utilized a freezer door in like uh, one of these kind of scenes. And that's something different as opposed to just a sharp object. Did you, did anything else really kind of like uh, impress you with the creativity of the kill scenes with respect to that one? Yeah. I mean, well, it's not perfectly original. There was a scene I think in saw four, three or four, Mm. something similar, not a freezer door, but like cold pipes, but still not something you see often. Although I will shout out my favorite, my favorite, I think all time kill in any horror movie involves the cold involved in Jason X where um, Jason takes a person, shoves their head in like liquid nitrogen to (laughs) freeze it and then smashes it on like a table. Uh, (laughs) Probably my all-time favorite. So shout out to that and those filmmakers. But um, yeah, no, that that kill was was solid. Like like you said, the freezer door was good, and like basically this this diner waitress having to rip her cheek off a frozen door oh was God. yeah, it was it was good. Uh, and then yeah, so that that, that was almost more like you know uh, you got more out of that almost than the kill itself, which eventually yeah. turns into you know just a car running over someone. But it was well, she doesn't she she like tries to jump onto a dumpster and like gets like the dumpster thing like splits her in half or something like that is that what happened Ooh, or did she get pinned on it or something maybe? She, she got pinned um let's check i don't uh, remember I, she it, ends up being split in half yeah they said uh, da, 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 uh it was something involving that when she ran outside the place after she kind of got away with the uh the freezer thing but it doesn't give more description than that in the wikipedia summary but yeah no so i mean i thought that i thought that was interesting they at least found you know like something something unique within that i don't know so much about the um uh, the security guard, he just ends up getting decapitated. I mean, but like, you know, it was still an interestingly shot scene as far as the way they, they, they depict uh, John Carver sneaking around. Um, and then, you know, uh, be, beyond that, like a, a, as this is happening, Jessica is getting consulted by, uh, by, by the police because it's like, Hey, like you might be able to get access to this other backup footage that your dad has. So eventually she kind of like, you know, uh, is, is able to help them with that a little bit. Whereas it's like, you know, I don't think her dad has kind of moved on and like, doesn't want to like do anything else. Probably they could like bring on bad press. So she is like kind of on two fronts, one kind of like running from John Carver, but two is being like utilized by the police to like, you know, help. And I mean, it, again, it kind of makes sense if a police wanted to try and solve something. So it didn't necessarily feel contrived to have her like, you know, in, in involved in uh, on both fronts of this um, there there's on, on top of that, there's also uh, you know, I, at one point, I think this, it, I guess we're we're supposed to like, you know, uh, take it to mean uh, that the, this other cheer, these other couple of cheerleaders that we see in this uh, getting killed in the school on this trampoline. I guess we're just supposed to assume they were also at the store, even though they weren't really like prominently featured in the in the actual uh, uh, Black Black Friday scene. But um, was that was were they the, were they the ones like from the rival school or whatever? Oh, that maybe it? that was it. I think I that know. was it. Yeah. So, uh, okay. I, I, I guess I, I had not, I did not, I mean, yeah, it's been over a week since I seen it. I didn't actually pick up on that in the moment, but like, I just kind of took it for what it took it for what it was worth at that point. I was like, Oh, these people are probably involved somehow, but like, yeah, you get a lot of characters thrown at you, um, you know, at that point in the beginning, but like that is interesting just cause like, it's very interesting, like utilization of a trampoline in a way that made you feel like very uncomfortable. And I'm wondering if you had like a same visceral reaction to that, that I did. Adam. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. What was that? Well, if you had a say, if you had a similar visceral reaction to like how they pulled off like that trampoline scene, where like these people are like they're 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 kind of like kind of in the throes of passion, but like not quite. Like they're like you know about to like start hooking up, and like this this uh, cheerleader is like flashing her boyfriend, and all of a sudden like it just turns into like a some sharp stuff sticking out of this trampoline. She is like jumping on it is uh, yeah it, it is gruesome in its own own again kind of unique way. I kind of I, I was just like oh wow this is like I I kind of want to look away, but I kind of respect how you pull this off. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it was definitely different. I've never seen the trampoline kill, mm-hmm. I don't think, before. Uh, <laughs> and then I think the football player gets, like, his head turned around or whatever. Was it a football player? Oh, yeah, very fast. It, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, didn't even didn't even waste time on that one. Yeah, no, that was like... And, and I mean, you see uh, people even in action movies all the time, like, you know, get killed by having someone break their neck. But, like, here it was done so swiftly where, like, a full 180-degree turn of the head. So it is, they found a way to, like leave you unsettled almost as much by like how they left the body is like how the kill was done which so that was like something that i found like you know a different kind of spin on just like breaking a person's neck uh and so i i i appreciated that and like you know that was it's kind of where things like almost kick up a notch too in that like they um at, the, at that point they uh have um a lot of people like start like you know retreating at that point things have kind of like hit another level even as the investigation has been going on uh one of the characters yulia whose father is in implied to be some kind of russian mobster which i just kind of yeah i got i got a, I got sure. a kick out of it it was it was kind of ridiculous yeah. but i also got got a kick out of listening to these people talk at that one point they're like all right we're moving to florida yeah but, which uh, made me that, that got a big laugh out of me he's like he was the only smart one he's like fuck it i'm getting out of town like i'm just leaving there's a murder going around i'm getting out of town but also it's like a movie about like stuff this disturbing. It's like, yes, let's go to the, let's go to the land of the Florida man. You know, it was funny on multiple levels, but I just kind of like appreciate it. Like there's all these mass holes that are like, yeah, we'll, we'll ride this out. And like the, the one outsider is like, nope, I'm getting, I'm getting the hell out of here. Unfortunately didn't necessarily make it. Uh, I think there were, if you, if I recall correctly, Adam, there might've been some uh, with respect to like uh, how the killer is treating Yulia even before she, meets her ultimate demise i feel like that might have involved some corn on the cob holders if i remember correctly oh, which was oh, like right. you know that was uh that was also something new like i'm saying this movie you know f- feels very much like scream but like hits a lot of like different kind of notes that like are like at least something that in some way something i hadn't seen before and i keep bringing I mean, up that's out. That's, yeah. that's eli roth for you i mean you said you saw cabin fever but mm-hmm. not hostile yeah yeah hostile hostile is like it, it's in the same genre as like saw in terms of like torture porn kind of stuff, mm. but just like amped up. Like it is, it's some gross stuff, which also uh, Rich Hoffman or Rick Hoffman who plays uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Wright. He is in uh, the first hot, ho- I think the first hostile movie. I did not know that. So yeah, I don't, yeah. only thing I'd ever seen him before in was suits. I had no idea he had a, you know, uh, 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 any other experience in horror movies. Uh, yep. But I mean, it's, it's also funny cause it's like almost like a, um, it's almost a little bit Jaws too, where it's like we got to keep the thing open, you know. And I, I, not oh, that yeah. not, <laughs> not, not not that Eli Roth is really trying to make that big of a statement about capitalism. I think he's there, you know, just to you know uh, give us a good time. But it is it's kind of funny. Like I it hit it, it kind of hit that beat for me too, where it's like at certain points, like do you really need to do this? Is your Black Friday yeah. sale really worth any of this kind of risk that's going to come with it? Uh, maybe not. Um, the uh, th- th- they also have to you know they have a parade scene where uh, things get kind of. Uh, Dicey with the killer, and then they like you know just uh, at the same time like in, in all the confusion, he's able to like, kind of do some kidnapping too that ensues from that parade and bring them to like another house. I I I, I should I, I don't actually know where there can be a spoiler section, but like some of the stuff that happens uh, beyond that point is kind of crazy, and I don't know if anyone's actually going to click on this podcast without having seen the movie, but like I kind of want to talk about some stuff that I think I would rather have be a surprise. Whereas like I think we've actually talked about some of these kills in a vague enough way, you're still going to well, be equally grossed out if you see it. Uh, you know. Uh, it, you kind of you got to see it to believe it but like it, things like go up another level after the this scene where there's a parade where they think they're going to lure the killer out and they're going to use uh jessica and thomas's family as bait in some way when they're riding their their float uh instead the killer just kind of shows up and decapitates one of the uh 
creature one of the people that's like marching in the parade as like some other kind of creature i believe i can't remember turkey turkey. yeah yeah but decapitates it at the head r.i.p turkey man yeah and some other kind of smoke bomb goes off or something i think i i I guess it's just i'm here to praise eli roth because i I think he captured a lot of the essence of scream but like just found like a way to do his own unique thing and have you ever seen a, a this disconcerting of a meal in any movie not just a horror movie adam no, no. And then if we're going to talk about spoilers, like, yeah, we're, we're um, there. We're there. Yeah. So so um, the right Mart owner's uh, wife, Jessica's stepmom, mm-hmm. is cooked alive yep. um, to, to be the Thanksgiving turkey. And I don't know. I've seen other movies where, like, people are burned alive. And that that just always uh, I mean, just like the worst, like being cooked in an oven, just like the worst possible thing. And like, it's worse even because, like, she almost gets out. Like she almost outsmarts him and escapes, but mm-hmm. but no, he he gets her and puts her in the oven, and she realizes slow, like you know, slowly exactly where she is and what's about to happen to her, and we we see it happen a lot. It's pretty gruesome. Um, what was then, uh you saw? Did you see it? Like you saw it one of the first nights it was out, right? Um, I think so. I think I saw it on the Saturday after it came out. Was your theater kind of crowded or no? Oh yeah, it was. It was pretty crowded. Yeah. So what it was the rea- What was the reaction to that scene? I saw it in a, in a less less so crowded theater. It was. It was visceral. People were, you know, the groaning. It was people were groaning and like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it was. It was a visceral reaction to it. It's, you know, you and then the reveal. Uh, uh, if we're gonna, we can get to that now or in a few minutes of of how he uh, plates the guy's wife, the stepmom. Oh no, we're, we're we're already there. I mean, I don't really know what to say about it, but he like he straight up like you know takes uh, Thomas's wife, Jessica's stepmom, uh, straight, played by Gina Gershon, um, basically like uh, base her, cooks her alive, and then uh, slices off a piece of her and starts trying to like force feed her to her husband. Uh, yeah, I mean, she, and she she's like positioned like a like a turkey, like a thing. Yeah, sh- straight up like yeah, like just like right, uh, cooks her, but then like you know tries to like plate her uh for lack of a better term and uh, like, like you would a turkey and like it's at a certain point you gotta tip your cap it's like this is so demented invent- but like it's very inventive yeah it's like yeah they, they clearly did their homework i keep saying it to like give you moments within the structure of a horror movie that you've seen before but gave you moments that felt like things you hadn't seen before and uh this th- that was certainly one of them and i think I, I that's really interesting here that everyone grown i think i might have i don't I think I'm, I, I, I probably, that was probably my reaction at the moment. I think, I mean, I, I definitely laughed at certain points throughout the movie, but I was probably just like, ah, I probably, I probably gave a few of those, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, at a certain, a certain point, uh, they end up like, uh, they're, they're like, I, th- I mean, honestly, like for how like, you know, efficient, uh, John Carver had been at that point, it was a little interesting that he was able to, you know, uh, not tie these people up efficiently such they were able to like cut themselves loose. But uh, Jessica does do that at some point and kind of runs out. And I think at a certain point, she uh, w- when she like gets out there, like gets out in the uh, the open, she uh, I guess she, she finds Bobby. But then also like it seems like he has been like uh, been beaten to some extent, and uh, also sees the sheriff at some point. But then like keeps going and uh, ends up in another building. And uh, you know they uh, they they like they. Uh, or well she like, she, she it's like a warehouse she, it's like a warehouse right yeah, it's, yeah, not, the, it's like, not the police station but like it's correct. a warehouse right yeah yeah she like she escapes and uh i think she like i think she comes across the sheriff like beaten up mm-hmm. and then she sees bobby in the warehouse and thinks it's bobby who's the killer yeah 
and then sees him going in and like i think the sheriff kind of leads her to believe that and but like but bobby escapes and uh and then she's left on with the sheriff and she uh she sees on the sheriff's shoes that like see some of the same debris that she had seen earlier from like the area where the killer had been chasing her i believe and yeah, it's, it's like it's like the sticklers or whatever the brambles or whatever yeah so i'm wondering uh, adam like afterward I, I made the comment to you that like oh funny that you know patrick dempsey ends up being this killer because uh when like there was the fake out and scream through you hadn't even thought about that so it wasn't like you 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 were kind of sleeping on him too like i was like did, did as you're watching this and i mean i think it's all i think it's interesting in movies like this like in theory you want the pieces there you you like to be surprised but you also like to be surprised and like oh that makes sense like the pieces were there if i put them together but you know sometimes they might like withhold some information we learned that the sheriff um had 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 an affair with the uh with the wife of the manager's wife yeah yeah the manager's wife oh no i i got it wrong actually so the manager's wife was the one played by gina gerson that was amanda collins the the um the, the uh, thomas's wife was uh was she the one that was kathleen um that was maybe her name um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right yeah, so I I got that wrong, but like uh, so is Gina Gershon just did not actually have that big of a role because she like died so early, but she was the one that the sheriff was having an affair with, was pregnant with his child, and then died. So he and he decided to like take it out on everyone else. Was there a moment where you actually suspected him, Adam, or did it actually catch you off guard up until the point where you saw the bramble on the shoes? Yeah, I mean, I I've never been good. It might be why I like scream so scream movies. You're so able much. to be never, surprised. Yeah, or at least like I don't in in a who done it. I typically am not like trying to figure out who it is i'm kind of just along for the ride so like i kind of thought like oh the boyfriends are kind of like like, that's too obvious those are Mm -hmm. probably red herrings i don't think it's them but like i really was like i'm like i don't know we'll see who it is i think they 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 almost made me think it was bobby at the end i was like it seemed too obvious for so much the movie but then she sees him going into the building i'm like oh maybe that's it yeah i thought maybe it's both boyfriends i I don't know like like i said in in these kind of slashers or like these whodunits i'm like I'm just along for the ride. I'm not trying to figure out who it is. I'm ready to be like surprised. And like, I'll be, I, I didn't expect it to be Patrick Dempsey. So that was a nice little surprise. And like, he, he flips the switch from, you know, nice mass hole police officer to just absolute psycho in like three seconds. And he does very, a very good job at that. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, I mean, I've seen him in a decent amount of stuff in his career, not a ton, but like, it's hard to like, without having seen this movie, it's hard to imagine him like doing anything menacing, just his general look and disposition just seems like a nice enough dude. So I thought he did a pretty, I, th- I agree. I thought, I, I thought he did a, like a fairly, a fairly good job of like flipping the switch. Um, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts on like the, on, on like the action that ensued itself to where they got him. I mean, um, it, it, it's just, I thought it was a little odd that they, it's implied they kind of blow him up, but it seems like a real, like, you know, Michael Myers type of ending, like there'd be a way to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think we ever get to see the body. Um, but like, again, I, I did appreciate the reveal again, you know, it, it, in the first scene where he shows up to that Thanksgiving dinner, you can kind of see like, Oh, maybe there is like some little bit of a spark between um, him and Amanda, but like you, the end, they're hiding that information from me the whole time. So it's like, when you're only seeing him seemingly do honest police work, he just kind of show up pretty soon after a couple of the kills. But like, mm-hmm. I didn't suspect it either. I guess I was kind of like you. And I was just like, Oh, this nice guy here to help him or whatever. But like, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I didn't feel cheated necessarily that they like kind of held back the, you know, the, the information about him having an affair with her. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd kind of like to be able to put together the other pieces of the puzzle myself, but I also didn't feel like, Oh, that's like cheap. It should have been someone else. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like he said, like the last kind of scene where where they kill uh, Patrick Dempsey, like that was fine. I, that wasn't a standout part of the movie to me. Like it was right. fine. Just about, just about every other action scene was like more memorable than that one. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I will say I like the la- the last scene where she's like having dreams of him at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like that. Very. It's very Carrie. Very Friday the 13th. Yeah, I mean, like, who knows if there's ever actually going to be a sequel for this movie? I mean, it's only it's it's made thirty million dollars on a fifteen million dollar budget. I would have thought it would have done better. You know, not that it's like the movie you go see with your family at the holidays, but you know, uh, horror movies do pretty well these days. And you do one called Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving. You know, maybe you think it catch on. I don't know if it's ever going to be the point where there's another you know uh, sequel like you know so many of the screen movies like they're dealing with like the psychological fallout that, you know, those main characters have gone through over the years. And that's a, it's a recurring theme, but like those movies are successful enough. They kept making them. And here, if that's not going to happen, it's at least interest. And they kind of imply like, yeah, maybe she's the final girl that like comes out on top, but like, that's not, there's some cost to that, you know? So I do appreciate Thanks, that final scene. Thanksgiving to the leftovers. No, there, there were no leftovers. There were uh, or sorry. Then, then black. Well, I mean, I would say black Friday would be the sequel, but uh, you know, they already, did Black Friday? Well, I guess technically that was on on Thanksgiving at the start of the movie, but mm-hmm. sequel Black Friday writes itself. Yeah. So again, I I, I I didn't mind the ending. I would never. I would not mind if you want to go back to this, but like you know, I'd rather I'd rather Eli Roth do his Hanukkah slasher. You know, oh, a hundred percent. I'm extremely extremely <laughs> down for it. Eight Deadly Nights. You know, I, I, Eight I, I don't Deadly know. Nights. Perfect. Um, I, th- I think that's always got to be. Um, but yeah, is there anything else about the movie we didn't touch on that you wanted to like kind of talk about? Um, no, not really. We kind of covered it all. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's really like a deeper message here. I don't know. Don't go shopping on Thanksgiving. Yeah, just wait till Cyber Monday. Though I yeah. didn't really do much. I I didn't do. I didn't really do a ton of. I I, I bought some clothes a little bit this year. Um, I got I got an espresso machine courtesy of Kayla. Uh, so there you go. I I I would say I um, you know, we didn't even really. Again, I guess this goes to us talking about like the kids not really being that interesting to themselves. We didn't talk about how. Uh, you know, after Bobby just literally goes AWOL for a whole year, but they don't really explain why. And it just seems like that's the choice he makes. So we suspect him it's, more. Yeah. It's like, oh, he, he was sad. He, was sad. he broke his arm. Like, okay, I get it. Like, I, but, then, but then, he, then he comes back like at some point and is like, oh no, like I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm I, fine. I, I, yeah. I, my, my, my arm is getting better. It's like, well, if you were like rehabbing all along, like why'd you need to like bail on your girlfriend and like, you know, the entire town. Uh, yeah. That was a little strange, but there's another guy in the picture named Ryan played by uh, Milo Mannheim. Uh, and it's it was I it was kind of like she ends up like it's implied that you know he has a thing for her in the first part of the movie when she's still with Bobby but then like he moves on and when the year later she's like oh she started dating this guy and it's like you think that like you know maybe they're setting this Bobby guy up to like be the possible killer and you're gonna root for this other Ryan guy to like you know uh like be be the one that like defends her honor and stuff like that and he just kind of sucks too and is like a, a like kind of elitist and classist and like yeah. talk about how much smarter he is than the other guy it's like. Wow, like this hero, this protagonist that we're like wanting to cheer for, like he has awful tasted dudes, and we're just supposed to like you know accept that. And I'm like, all right. Well, I mean, again, like I said, uh, yeah, like Sydney Prescott might have had like you know, but a bit, 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 bit of a bit of a weakness too. But like you know, uh, like like you said, she got it right sometimes, I guess. Uh, you know, but uh, he, here it was just like this, like it's like I I didn't know what to make of these characters. Like there wasn't like none of these kids were like unambiguously good. It's strange, you know. They they're just kind of like I don't know shitty teenagers i don't like and, that, not, and, and, and that's not necessarily a problem i guess that is like i keep saying i appreciate how like they did some unique stuff and that's maybe unique in and of itself but you also kind of want someone you like you know can get behind and cheer for a little more just might make the movie experience a little more satisfying yeah it's, it's not even that like they're teenagers that are like mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like your stereotypical teenagers that like makes them bad like you know not great characters it's like 
they're not very memorable. They're kind of interchangeable. Like, I don't know. They didn't, none of them really stood out to me. Uh, you know, Scuba, I thought Scuba, like, could have been, like, he's like Mason Gooding in the new Scream movies, but Mason Gooding mm-hmm. does it a lot better. Um, I don't also, know. Also, he should have died in the last one, but anyway, I guess they're, they're doing it. They're, hey, doing, yeah. a, they're well, doing a full Scream reboot. Maybe he's going to be gone anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he lives. He lives. Yeah. Lives forever. And, whatever that canon is that might get brought back at some point uh, later uh, on. I don't know. What a uh, mess. But yeah, I think Adam and I both recommend Thanksgiving. If it's still hanging around, uh, even if it's not making a ton of money, it's it's like, you know, it's a holiday theme. So maybe they'll keep it in theaters, you know, through the, through the holidays. And maybe by the time you listen to this, it won't be far from being on streaming. I think we both a recommend nice, it though. A nice double feature, uh, not the same kind of movie exactly, but double feature with Thanksgiving and Violent Night or Black Christmas. You can go either way. Yeah, Violent Night was a fun one. Uh, d- d- you know, funny that he's not here, and I can't really speak to why. I know uh, Daniel really didn't actually did not like Thanksgiving, even though he was excited about it. And I don't, I don't actually know how da- off the top of my head how Daniel feels about all the Scream movies, but like you know, he's a big horror guy, so I w- it would have been interesting to see like what didn't work about this for him. But uh, you know, I think it really did work for Adam and I, and we'd uh, definitely recommend uh, people check it out. Um, Adam, anything else you've been uh, watching recently before we set off that you'd like to direct the listeners to? Um, nothing in particular that I've been watching. I'm trying to catch up on Doctor Who because the new specials are coming out, like hmm. a, a series of them, like I think over the couple of weeks and like I fell behind the last couple of seasons. Uh, I don't think the writing was very good on those the last couple of seasons, but not really what I'm it's less of what I'm watching and more of what I'm reading. Uh, mm-hmm. Most recently, yeah. most recently I read Um, it's, a, it's the start of a series called the Empyrean series. It's um like I guess like um a fantasy series, uh, Fourth Wing and Iron Flame uh, that Kayla turned me on to. Uh, very Harry Potter meets Game of Thrones kind of vibe. Um, very entertaining books. Uh, the second one came out, I think, last month. Um, and when I finished reading it a few days ago, I literally threw the book at the end because it pissed me off so much in a good way. Um, so I'd recommend those. Uh, those are... Also, those are R-rated books for any kids listening. Uh, get your parents' consent first because there mm-hmm. are some scenes in there I would not recommend for children. Yeah, I. Uh, interesting. I uh, I would have a um. I don't have a ton new to recommend. I saw uh last of the many movies I saw the second week I was back visiting my family in Pensacola for Thanksgiving. I saw The Hunger Games: The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I. I was not able to read the book before I uh, saw the movie, which I did for the first set of Hunger Games movies. But I, I, I start I started the book on my audiobook. We saw my, on my drive back to South Florida, and the movie was very uh, the movie was solid. And I think I'm gonna try and find a time to talk to Kayla about it. I got I got to do that. But Adam said that she was also uh, uh, somewhat of a fan of the books, and you guys yeah. are maybe yeah. haven't made it to the movie yet, right? But no, we haven't. Um, oh, one thing one thing I won't recommend. Oh, okay. Napoleon, Napoleon, that shit what? sucked. Oh, I had a nice time at Napoleon. I thought that I thought it was like like it, it took all the things that Oppenheimer did well and made them bad. That was Napoleon. I did not like it. I thought it was so bad. Sorry, not not so bad. I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit. Like I gave it two stars on high hopes. Starbucks. I had high hopes. It was just Joaquin Phoenix, great actor, not his best. Just like for, I can understand not being historically accurate. That's fine. But just some of those things, some of the choices they made were just bad. Uh, did not like it like ugh, it just didn't like the performances didn't like a lot about it just did not vibe with it well at the time people are listening to this we'll probably already posted our episode where both elijah and i were actually kind of positive on napoleon but we welcome all viewpoints here at yeah, the rewind great i mean great uh-huh. if you guys liked it like i 
I'm sure I, I, yeah, I think I, I think I was also part, part of the reason I'm, I was kind of charmed by the whole experience is I went with my grandma. She's like, no, I don't want to see Priscilla. I'd rather see something else. I'm like, Nana, the only other two things I'm going to see while I'm here are the, the this Hunger Games movie. And you don't know anything about that series and Napoleon. She's like, I picked Napoleon. And then within five minutes of Napoleon, someone's like Marie Antoinette's like getting beheaded. And, uh, yeah. you know, and there's all this other, you know, uh, um, you know, pretty uh, filthy stuff in it throughout. So it was funny wanting to see my grandma with see with my grandma, but she she enjoyed it. So I that kind of also helped my experience overall. Oh, uh, but, but like I said, uh, Ballad of Us, uh, Songbirds and Snakes is a uh, is a pretty good time and some uh, pre- pretty great supporting cast. And though I'm, you know, again, it's and I think you can appreciate it even if you haven't watched all the Hunger Games stuff. Like they have some Easter eggs in there, but if for whatever reason you missed the Hunger Games and Mockingjay and you know, catching fire and all that when they were out, like you don't really need to have watched those to enjoy uh ballad of songbirds and snakes, like has Rachel Zegler in one of the two lead roles. And she sings like eight songs in it. And like that gave me like, you know, uh, that it, it gave me shivers uh, a, a few different times. Like she's it's, it's worth, that's worth the price of admission alone. So I'd say check that out. And then at some point in the next couple of weeks, I might have a podcast with Kayla and I on that, uh, Adam, anything else, uh, anything else you would like to plug social media, letterbox, Twitter wise, before we get out of here. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at mm-hmm. AB Lichtenstein, where I'm tweeting about um, mostly football, a whole bunch of other stuff, whatever comes to my mind. And you can follow me on Letterboxd at a Lichtenstein. So I do have a Letterboxd account. I don't use it super, super frequently, but you can read my my three sentence review of Napoleon and why it sucked. Well, that's okay. Like I got to start doing uh, letterbox the way you do it too. Cause I'm like very behind. Cause I always want to try and write a little more, but I, whenever I finally do get caught up on all my movies, I'm just going to like start from that point forth. I would just start writing like three sentence reviews and then I can link yeah, to the podcast I'm, and the ones I have that on. I used to not do any reviews unless I had like long thoughts to say. And then I was like, you know, I saw some other reviews and I'm like, if I no. just have two sentences on this, I'm going to write two no. sentences on or, it. Or you can just get off that joke. You know, it's uh, yeah. yeah, that's one of the ways to do it. Um, oh, sorry. I have one other recommendation that I just thought of because I know I recommended it to you, like, I think, like a month or two ago. Hmm. Speaking of horror movies, uh, on Shudder, you can go watch an independent horror movie called Lake Mungo. Hmm. Very, It's an Australian horror movie. came out in, like, 07, 08. Very good movie. Uh, very divisive movie. Some people don't like it. Kind of in the vein of Skinamarink, but less, like, minimalist, but device, similar, similarly divisive. Um, and it, it really messed me up for like a day or two. Very sad movie. Highly recommend it. Josh, I'm going to make you watch it like next time you come hang out here. I don't have Shutter, but uh, sure. Well, well, I, I, you can hold me to that. Um, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at RewindMoviePod. Podcast email is TheRewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Coming up next on the podcast, again, not really sure uh, what all I have coming up. I know, like I said, I want to have an episode on the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And I want to thank Adam again for joining me. I want to thank all of you for listening and we'll see you next time.